0: welcome into Aotearoa Rugby Pod for another week here on Sky Sport. I'm Jeff McTeach in the chair today for Ross Carl. Good to be back and uh, as always joined by the usual suspects, James Parsons, Brinhill Good to see you boys. Uh, let's get right into it. The All Blacks on the weekend. Jip, I'll start with you responding after uh, that defeat in Christchurch in Hamilton with, with some performance. Did, did you see that coming?
2: Um, well, yeah, I think we sl- picked them to win, probably not by that margin, um, but we knew that, if they made small adjustments in their game, obviously discipline was a lot better. Um, their skill execution was huge. You know, only three error, uh, handling errors, and then I just think their kick strategy was on point. You know, they only kicked 15 times in Christchurch compared to uh, 32 in Hamilton. So, and and that was a mixture of those kicks. Obviously, they had the contestables off 10. David Harvey was with his cross kicks or his little attacking kicks and. Behind And that just makes defences have to think, are they going to kick, are they going to run? That gives uh, players time on the ball. And you saw, with obviously, with Rico's performance and Caleb Clark and and others, that when they have that time on the ball, due to that manipulation of that defence and and not allowing them that line speed, they can be real threats.
0: Brennan, they got a hammering during the week in in the press after that Christchurch test. Were you surprised that they
3: made those adjustments so quickly for Hamilton? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, I, I think I look at their review and probably the messages that Jason Ryan said um, earlier this earlier this week around um, getting their preparation right. And look, when you can do have three unforced errors and um, trying conditions that they were in Hamilton, um, it comes back to probably a great week of preparation and actually a bit of edge at training. I heard Brody Ritalik was pretty good um, around being back in that environment and bringing a real edge. And so, the fine lines in, in international uh, rugby at the moment is very, very small. You know, you look at talk at the discipline issues that they had the week previous, you know, they're very good around that. And I think, again, the collision and breakdown area, um, the ability of them being able to go through the heart of the defence of um, the Argentinians was really strong. Um, I thought, look, Tokiaho, Severe, picking goes through the middle. Um, and then also going in around the heart defence with Aaron Smith being able to um, play out and being able to go through there, I thought it was a great, um, variety that they had in their game, and Jip touched on it as well. I thought their kicking game was was great. The attacking kicks was being able to, you know, stunt that defensive pressure, um, you know, with Richie and then even Davy putting them in. And, and I also thought the variety of their attack and the way we scored our tries were great. Um, the animation around, you, know, you look at David Harvilli a couple of times with Rico's try and even Sam Kane setting up Jordy Barrett. Um, the ability of the animation that they've had, you'd, have, you'd like to think that Joe Smith's probably been hard mm. On those review systems around getting that structure every single time so you can um, ask questions like very similar to how the irish do what we found in that june series so um yeah well it was a very clinical and ruthless display by the All blacks which we probably haven't seen in a while and so you know that's what we're accustomed to seeing um with the all blacks ruthless clinical and scoring points at will so um i guess it's a great stamp in the mark for them to be able to um, go into the blederslow series adding a bit of confidence but i guess now it's been able to get that consistency and start building that pressure, and getting um, performances back to back with how we were on the weekend.
0: There's been a lot of talk about tactics, Jip, uh, about the All Blacks and the way they're playing the game, whether they've been running out of answers at times during test matches. But they went into that game in Hamilton with a clear focus, a clear way of, uh, of putting Argentina under pressure. You, you mentioned the skill execution. It was excellent in, in wet conditions. How impressed were you with the way they went in and said, right, this is the way we're going to play and executed it perfectly?
2: Yeah, I think it's their balance of attack that I was so impressed with, Like, obviously mentioned the amount of kicking they did, especially early, to make sure that they adjusted that line speed pressure of um, Argentina and, and obviously allowed them to play their game after that, so it, it, it was more the way they sort of orchestrated it. They didn't try and rush, they didn't try and um, overplay their hand, they they manipulated the defence and played on their turns, which is the most impressive. And, and the skill execution um, was great, but again, I think it was a, it was a plan. You know, they didn't overcomplicate things; they kept it simple. Um, and and because they had that you know disconnect between that the the defenders of the Argentinians, that they could probably have that accuracy that we hadn't seen um, previously. And um, I, I also think like. It's not that big a surprise. I don't know if you agree, Bryn, like that first 30 minutes in Christchurch was pretty clinical. Like they were strong over the breakdown, they were providing fast ball. They obviously scored a couple of tries. It was just on the weekend, they just did it for 80 minutes and they were unrelenting. Even when the game was said and done, they wanted to score again and obviously Bodie going over later later. So <clears throat> I think Bryn touched on it. It's more, and you know, we all know that in the All Blacks environment, the Blederslow is the second biggest trophy possible. Uh, a byproduct of that will probably be winning the rugby championship if they get it right. But that that edge that was seen, I, I think we will start to see that consistency because because of the aura and the the um, expectation around holding the low will bring a even sharper focus and edge within that environment. And and hopefully it can be the springboard um, for them to kick into that end of year tour and, and build into that World Cup.
0: We'll talk about a few of the guys who who really made some big strides. Perhaps uh, the best game. We've seen Sam Kane play uh,
3: Brennan in some time in the All Blacks jersey. Yeah, it was. Oh, I was stoked for him to be able to um, have a performance like that. He really set the tone in that first 10, 15 minutes with his defensive pressure and being able to put solid dominant tackles and I guess kind of um, set the tone for that test match. And then f- the byproduct of that was him being able to do all the hard work that um, you know we, we, we know that we get to see um, as rugby players and then being able to get the link play that we're so used to seeing with Sam Kane when he was at his best, you know. Been able to run a good line for that, that hole off Davey and then been able to put, um, you know, Jordy Barrett away and then getting second touches on the ball as well. So, um, look, he's a guy that's been you know, under a lot of pressure. Uh, but, you know, uh, we know that it's he's capable of being able to do that. He's come back from a long-term injury and he's getting those consistent performances now, of being able to play more rugby. And you'd like to think that now that he can springboard, um, being able to get more consistent performances like he was on the weekend because, um yeah, he was outstanding job. I don't know what you thought, but I think it was probably one of his best test matches that he's had in probably a couple of years.
2: Yeah, look, he was exceptional um, in all facets of the game and, and I think the ball came his way and, and sometimes that happens. But don't underestimate, mm. like, this is the thing that I sometimes get frustrated with is he has been working hard off the ball, putting himself in positions. The ball just hasn't come to him. It's either gone out the back or he's been that decoy runner. Yes, we got to see mm. it because he got the ball, but... I don't think, you know, obviously there's a big shift in terms of what you see if you're just watching where the ball is. But, man, he, he has been doing some um, awesome efforts off the ball for a long time. Mm-hmm. And and it was great for him to be on the receiving end of a couple of passes that enabled him to show how good he still is.
3: We saw I the... Think with, um, sorry, Karen, bro. Sorry, I think the reason why that was, they was able to do that as well, Jip, was I think just the four-pack in general. Um, again, we've talked about how critical it is to be able to get the breakdown and collision work right. And, you know, the forward pack, I thought the whole eight um, worked collectively really well. So you can give the likes of, of Sam to be able to open up a little bit more. And like you said, get in those positions where he's been doing it, but the ball hasn't just come to him. But look, I thought um, they bounced back really nicely. I think even hearing Jason Ryder's comments uh, talking about last week, and that's what I love about Jace. He talked about, you know, in the media around being, um, being accountable with what he got wrong as a coach for that week. You know, he actually went into depth around their, their collisions, their body height, winning races, that he could have been better in that, um, in that kind of messaging the previous week. But, look, I thought their breakdown and, and the ability to be able to do it over and over and over again, um, you know, gave them opportunities like Sam and even Artie as well, off the back of scrums, have been able to, I guess, um, have those open roaming roles, have been able to influence games through through their attacking prowess. Rico uh, Ioane, he, he just
0: continues to, Add, uh, you know, add stripes to his game every single week he plays. He's in some form, Jip. Um, how much of a key component is he to that all-black backline and the way that they want to play the game going forward?
2: Yeah, when you can provide someone with that sort of pace, time, uh, it, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's really, it's one of his biggest strengths defensively at centre. Centre's a really hard spot to D, but his pace you know, enables him to put pressure on, but also get back out to make tackles. But on attack, he loves ball in hand. He's got great feet. Um, the the one part of his game that I'm I'm really loving is his ability to link and set others up space. And you know he obviously did that with Caleb's try. Um, he got him behind and was composed enough to hold on to the ball and set the ruck on a number of other occasions that led to tries. Um, he's always there in link play. You know he's just a busy player. Um, because that's what he loves, is just playing footy and, and having that ball in and around him so he can make a difference. So he was exceptional, but I, I don't think we can take away from um, Davy Hoverley. I, I just think he's the guy that is pulling the strings to provide him that time and space. And, and some of his ball play, um, his ability to hold his feet, to suck defenders out, to then give the pass, um, you know, his kicking game, he, he was you know, simply sensational in my opinion on the weekend in the 12 jersey and, and becoming a real key cog and making sure that we get the balance of our attack right because he's taking the pressure off guys like Aaron Smith and Richie Moana around the kicking game. He has a great sense for it and also I think the wingers were really engaged around that kicking game and that it all factors in to allowing guys that time and space because they've manipulated that defence and there's just so many variables that go into it and, and Those guys playing their role allowed Rico to be at his very best, his world-class best.
0: We're in so many players that can slot into that midfield for the All Blacks. Um, And some of the best partnerships we've seen have have had long uh, careers together next to each other. Do we need a year out from a World Cup to go, Okay, well, David Havili and Rico uh, are the guys we're going to move forward with? Or is there still room for experimentation and, and chopping and changing? What do you reckon?
3: Oh, I think for me personally, like with the likes of, um, you know, Anton Leonard Brown being out and Jack Goodhue, you'd probably think those would be the leader, I'm sorry, the the more experienced guys that have been in their all-black jersey previously. But... I think with what we're seeing with um, with Davy and Rico, and you touched on it, Jip, I think the ability that Davy can do to be able to um, complement Richie and, and Aaron around the kicking game and the kind of skill set that he can bring with his um, with skill set, I think it helps um, a lot with this All Blacks environment. And like you said, I think the best thing with Rico is being able to get him in positions where it can be one-on-one or you can give him space and time to be able to try and use his X-factor and his pace and his ability to be able to beat people like we saw in the weekend to put Caleb Clark away. And that's what Davy does really, really well. And so you'd like to think that um, we've talked about cohesion a lot previously with other teams in, in this on this podcast. And I think for, for the for the World Cup going forward, the more time that these boys can spend together, um, it's going to be more beneficial for the All Blacks. And don't forget that Davy hasn't been playing twelve, you know, at this or even at super rugby level, let alone international level for a long period of time. You know, he was a playing fullback for um, for the Crusaders, moved, in, moved into 12, and you know, he's getting better and been able to get that kind of um, this experience in game management and understanding what it is to be a number 12, especially at test level. So I think with his skill set and I guess where we are injury-wise and not having the kind of um, experience of Leonard Brown and Jack Goodyear who have been here previously, um, I think keeping Davey and Rico and giving them as much time as we can um, we'll, we'll set them up really, really well for that World Cup 94. But again, there will be opportunities for guys. You know, you've got Braden Ennor, who's travelling um, as well. And you've also got Roger tuivasa who I believe is going to go back to bunnings NPC to get some more game time. So there are injuries that, that could happen. So you've got to be able to uh, keep those guys energised and still giving them growth and being able to grow more. But um, for the time being, I think um, the more combination we get with Davey and Rico, um, the better for us moving forward to the World Cup next year.
2: Brennan, just focusing in on Davey a little bit um, would you say he just seems to have got a lot more comfortable in his skin and his own game at All Black level because there was so much chat about oh we need this 12 that crashes and gets us over the gain line And but it's almost like the three of them between Aaron uh, Richie, and Davey they've manipulated the defence in other ways to their strength and their skill set that they've actually been able to create those opportunities for others. I, I don't know, like we're not yes. seeing that 12 have to crash and there's no chat about, oh, we've got to get over the game line anymore because the three of them have just seemed to have got on the same page and, and they are just, you know, that was a complete um, display by mm. the three of them, I reckon, um, on on Saturday night. And it's a big part, I think, about his role.
3: Yeah, I think it is, Jim, And I think they've kind of turned away from knowing, um, you know, that Connor, kind of, like you said, like, probably last year, the gameplay that the All Blacks had was based around the 12 trying to get over that advantage line and I guess have that kind of crash dummy, which we're so used to seeing with you know Ma'anonu and, and Nani La Mapi. But, you know, Davey can do that. But I think the greatest thing right now, and I guess where the game is going, is that, you know, building pressure without the ball with a kick game is really important for international rugby at the moment. And you saw in the weekend, you know, 32 kicks. And, you know, the ways that, um, you know, Davy can manipulate is through his distribution skills, like we saw with the, setting up the two tries and his kicking game. So his strengths, those are his strengths, his ability to be able to game manage, kick the ball with attacking kicks. He's got a great skill set around that and his distribution skills, where I probably think last year, he wasn't able to do that and show his array of skills and his strengths around that. And so I guess for him, being able to have the ability to show his skill set and being able to what he does as a strength comes back to probably the coaches as well, Chip, being able to change and I guess go back to his strengths and I guess back to Richie's strengths. So it was very similar, I think, for watching that game on the weekend even at times of the Crusaders, um, the kicking game. You know, mm. Contestables off 10, kicking long, yeah. attacking kicks. And so I guess it comes back to, you know, you'd have to think the strategy group, Smith, Joe Smith, and even Fozzie as well, to be able to adapt and change and say, you know what? Playing without the ball is sometimes what we need. And I think some, and I think also the weather probably dictated that a little bit more, where they were able to implement that kicking game a little bit more. But I'd like to see that balance, because I think, you know, 32 kicks, kicks for over 1,000 metres, and we still were able to attack and get 500 metres as well with ball in hand.
2: So, well, the, um, you can... the irony of that, though, is the ball in play, there was more, they had, both sides had more carries, so that means there's mm. more ball in play, but there was, you know, twice as many kicks, so kicking doesn't necessarily always mean that, um, you know, it's not mm. going to be an entertaining spectacle. That's what I mean around that chess play, chess play, whereas, you know, the week before, we almost overplayed our hand with, you know, the ball not being in play as, as much as normal.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I also thought we probably adapted – the refereeing was probably a lot better, where it wasn't a stop start. And, look, that's not to say um, the ref was bad last week, but I think just the flow of the game and adapting better with the discipline issues around the breakdown, especially, you know, side cleans or even getting your entry right. I mean, then taking that step back where we were able to give away penalties last week, stunted that momentum to be able to play. But, um, look, yeah, it was a um, a great game to watch, and I guess in trying conditions, to have three unforced errors, you know, that's just – Ridiculous. That doesn't happen no. in test-match um, those It comes conditions. back to how Ruth, yeah, I, I, guess say, mi- Brent, I guess, the mindset. Yeah, was- yeah those
0: conditions, were uh, to have three unforced errors was, was remarkable. You wanted to touch on as well the turnover stats, Jip. You t- took a few notes on those.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about, you know, we're, we're focusing on predominantly the All Blacks, but the week before, Argentina uh, applied the pressure, 25 kicks, and they, I think they had 35% posses- uh, possession and territory, and, and they, were like, they were happy to not have the ball, and they made five handling errors. 14 um, this week, and they had the same amount of kicks, but understanding that the ball and playtime was more. So technically on, a, on a, a ratio, they had a lot less kicks, and they, they probably um, just turned over ball at crucial times. And another area where I thought the All Blacks were smart is they chanced their arm in their half, so it wasn't kickable penalties. So when they wanted to push the boundaries, a lot of the time it was meaning they were either going to have to go to the touch. And then when the penalties later on were in that sort of 22 area, the game was gone, so it was forcing them to go to the corner. So there there was just Mm. elements of their game that, you know, it is hard to stay at international rugby at the peak, but tough conditions, more kicks having to receive just meant a higher turnover rate which just dampens your confidence and, and your ability to execute. Um, and, and I felt like that was a big shift in why Argentina didn't um, deliver what we saw the week before. Um, you know, when they only had 35% territory, 35% possession, this week it's 50-50, and they, they, they couldn't do as much with it.
0: Was it a case, Bryn, of, of the All Blacks just playing a lot better, or were, were Argentina a, a few um, a few gears down and where they were last week? Obviously the uh, the handling wasn't great, but was that a... Was that a result of the All Blacks just being, as I say, uh, a step up in Hamilton? Or were they uh, were they way off the mark?
3: I think a bit of both. Ross, I think... Oh, no, not Ross. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> he's in Rarotonga, the lucky um, man. <laughs> yeah. He's in Rarotonga. Sorry, mate. Um, it's all right. No, I think it was a bit of both. I think it was a bit of both, to be honest. I think the All Blacks went up another gear around, I guess, the kind of learnings and the solutions that they wanted from the previous test. I just think the Argentinians were just down a notch. I think, you know, probably was symbolic in that first, you know, first probably phase off the kickoff, Lavinini dropping that ball and setting the tone for that team because at crucial times in that game, um, they were giving up, they were giving off mistakes. They weren't as ruthless around um, ball in hand and being able to, I guess, build pressure. But I guess as well, they play with a lot more ball and I guess in trying conditions, they weren't able to adapt and being able to get the skill execution right um, due to the weather conditions and probably the defensive pressure that the All Blacks put on. And I think sometimes when it's in, in the wet you can actually probably add more pressure through line speed, line speed, and being able to slow down the ball and put teams under pressure with their wet Because I think you know, on the flip side, the All Blacks had three unforced errors, and they looked looked like they were playing dry dry weather footy. On, but on the other side, um, the Argentinians probably just didn't adapt to the weather and were probably just off a little bit. They were off around the execution and I guess the kind of um, the energy and the kind of way they were playing last week. Um, they just didn't get it right. So I think it was a bit of both the All Blacks made the necessary um solution changes that they needed to. And I guess the Argentinians just the execution and I guess the way with how they adapted in the rain um, just wasn't as good as the All Blacks.
0: I've got a to, gotta to talk about uh the front row club, Jip, and, and you'll be impressed and you'll you'd have been happy to see Colsey come out and he had all the, the chat, it was back and uh he was into everything. But particularly the starting front row and, and Ethan de I mean I know there was calls for him, get him in there, get him in a black jersey, get him game time, and, and he, I mean the try he scored was was fantastic, great line wasn't it, but you, you, you look at the other guys in the front row, Tokiaho as well and Lomax, I mean, they're just setting the tone aren't they, and you look at the guys coming off the bench, Neil, young man, Bauer, and then obviously Dane Coles back back in the swing of things, it's... Um, it's an impressive uh, unit, isn't
2: it? Oh, absolutely, and, and I think you can just see they're going from strength to strength under Jace Ryan, and, and obviously, I think, you know, obviously Joe Schmidt is really big on the breakdown in that clean out. and that clean-out, and I think it's just simplified, their game seems simplified. It's like, right, scrum, line-out, we've just got to nail our role there. Outside of that, we need to carry hard, get across the game line. We don't need to do anything pretty. We need to clean our racks to create space and time for others. And, you know, Ethan De Groot still plays his role. You know, you saw Geordie Barrett running that line then, and he sucked in about three Argentinian defenders. And there's a lot of times, you know, you can see that pass being bobbled because you're not expecting it. But he ran that committed line. He was expecting the pass, whether it was going to him or Geordie and, and he scored a well-deserved try. But, um, yeah, I just think they look really um, decluttered. In, in terms of their mental prep and what they're expecting of each other, and they're just keeping their game simple, and it, it's working. Uh, and I mean, Takiaho, oof, he is some, he's in some touch. Yeah, he's he is doing, um, he is having just as much impact, in my opinion, as a Malcolm Marx on in the international stage at the moment.
0: Uh, we'll talk about this uh, news that came out today. The uh, the 33-strong squad for the first Bledisloe Cup test. Um, a few changes there, Luke Jacobson comes in, um, Braden Enor's in, no Roger Tuivasashek, no Artie of course, he's expecting the arrival of his third child, Hoskins Satutu is back in. Um, firstly, what do you make of it, Jip?
2: Well, it's a really exciting um, opportunity for probably Hoskins, uh, obviously performed really well on Sunday for um, counties and I, I think he had 13 tackles, 13 carries. Um, he was into his work, so he, he's, he's energetic, he's wanting to play some footy, so it'll be exciting to see him get some extended minutes. Um, and, and probably, <laughs> although Artie's away um, uh, waiting for his third child, he, he probably needs a break, I mean, he is <laughs> he so impressive. One, he? Yeah. Man, he has mm-hmm. performed so well um, this season. Um, and, and I also think it's good you know, for the three guys that haven't had a lot of minutes up there, getting, getting um, back to the MPC. And, and getting some extended minutes because, you know, you, d- you want to play yourself into form so that when their opportunity is uh, presented, whether, um, uh, you know, there's injuries and they've got to go back over there or it's the end of your tour, they're ready to go to pull trigger and, um, you know, compete for a spot in that, that World Cup. But, um, you know, most of the other squad members are the same and I don't think we'll see too much change. As I said, I think there'll be a real... Um, sharp edge and focus and making sure that the split as though stays this side of the Tasman.
0: Shows the depth though, just um, we'll talk about the backs in a sec Bryn, but Luke Jacobson coming oh. coming back in, I mean he's just such a workhorse, I mean you throw him out there in a test match, he's not going to let you down is he? I'm a
2: massive fan of Luke Jacobson, just purely um, from what he can do for the 23, so he, if he doesn't get the start, he has the ability to play 6, 7 and 8, very similar to Dalton but he's probably a little bit taller, um, and he, he's been play. He, he to me is, was probably unlucky to miss out just because of the logjam um, that is in that loose forward trio. Just after his Chiefs um, season, he's backing it up um, with big um, efforts in, you know, the MPC. So it'll be it'll be exciting and, and um, exciting for him to put his hand up and know that he's still in the frame for for the World Cup next season.
0: Bring in the midfield selections, um, Braden Enor comes back in to the mix. No, Roger Tuivasa-Shek. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on that? A wee bit of a
3: surprise? Um, not necessarily. I think with where they're at, you know, with the, with the likes of um, Jack Goodhue being injured, they needed that out-and-out centre if Rico gets injured. And it's not to say that, you know, Roger couldn't play there, but I think with the fact that him being playing 12 and they've obviously got David Havili and Quinta who's in that 23 role at the moment... They must feel pretty comfortable around um, the twelve at the moment, and so, and I guess for the best thing around Rog is he gets to go out there and be able to play footy. I think you know it's all in well being in that environment, and I guess your training and being able to um, learn and understand what it is to has been the all that environment and train at a high level, but you need time in the saddle. You need to be able, you'd rather go play. And so you look at Hoskins-Tutu, you know, getting two games at a county's rugby uh, level, at Bunnings-NPC level, and, you know, it's come through injury with with Artie, not injury, sorry, with Artie's child expected. Um, He gets the ability to be able to go play that Bunnings-NPC and now possibly go play a test match. So, you know, if there are injuries with Quinn or Davey, um, at least Roger's getting out there, you'd like to think that he can play one or two um, Bunnings-NPC games to get that kind of rhythm, take the learnings that he's had from, all Blacks environment and being able to have that um, upskilling moment that he's had in the squad, but um, I guess for you know the likes of Braden In or who, who's, who's an out and out centre and can cover wing as well, um, that's probably the reason why um, they're given Roger the opportunity to go back and play some meaningful minutes for, for Auckland, the Bunnings NPC. Talk about the uh, the Australia Springboks Test match
0: now, um, Allianz Stadium, full house, big crowd, huge occasion, and um, I mean they were right on it at halftime, weren't they? But we saw a lot of niggle, we saw a lot of pressure, but what really impressed me, I don't know about you, was the, I guess, the simple way that the Springboks were playing their rugby, uh, running at the line, draw pass, great hands, great execution, and of course they've got the finishes. It was it was nice to watch. I,
2: th- I think they, um, you know, a lot of guys got given opportunity. There was a lot of changes, but they went back to what they know, and, and you know, we talk about the All Blacks kicking game and the way it manipulated defence. Um, you know, they, they were exceptional in that. They went back to that. They were direct in their carries and then it opened up space and, and, and they chanced around and played a couple of times scoring a great try um, in the right hand corner. But I do think we have to acknowledge Taniela Tupou went down so he couldn't play at all. So that was one fit to. Noel Olusio and Paisani went off early. They had carried a 6-2 split bench so they only had um, Gordon and Callaway on the bench and <laughs> two of their key game drivers, and their biggest impact prop is out of the game really early and it just put them under too much pressure um, in terms of that sort of game management and how they would have planned and prepped all week. Yeah. And you, you always know when you take a 6-2 split, it is risky and it was probably the first time we've seen at international level um, a, a team come under that pressure and and struggle and not taking anything away from Saturday. Rooms. I think they went back to their game and guys like Willie LaRue, Um, Willemsa at first five getting an opportunity were great. Um, Moody obviously young winger and um, his try was pretty exceptional but again off the box kick um, strategy. So um, South Africa um, played extremely well but Australia um, caught themselves um, on the hop a little bit in terms of that 6-2 bench split.
0: What did you make of this young man Moody, Uh, Bryn? They just... They seem to, there seems to be a factory in South African rugby for uh, producing good wingers, good outside backs. One just shows up every year on the international scene. Nineteen years of age, he is. Um, he's a bit of
3: a freak. No, he is, mate. And I look nineteen years of age. Geez, I can only. Imagine what I was doing at 19. I wouldn't be ready for um, for international rugby, that's for sure, let alone probably premier rugby in Auckland at that time. Um, so it probably no, it just shows how, um, I guess, a kind of a freak he is. And I think even Jake White said in, um, in media interviews around that, he sees him as a, as a centurion, a 100-cap um, springbok. And so I guess, um, I guess what his biggest strength is, is that he's a tall athlete. And I guess with him being able to score that try, which I probably thought was a very pivotal moment, in that, um, in that test match I've been able to get up for the ball and I guess uh, the South Africans went back to that having 31 kicks and been able to uh, I guess have that pressure of the game and being able to build my momentum through their kicking game and so he's also got a bit of speed about him um, and he's also got a bit of footwork but um, I guess anytime you can have a debut where you can influence in a game and like I said that was a pretty crucial moment him getting over Corovedi and, um, and that kick off Hendricks are uh, it was pretty, pretty massive in the test match. You wouldn't want to get uh, Evan Ezabeth's
0: coffee order wrong, would you, or his lunch order at a restaurant? Because uh, the way the way he fired up at the end after the Mpimpi incident um, was pretty scary, and it, I think it just showed the passion, didn't it? But that was a, took a while to, to settle that one down for, for uh, Ben O'Keefe.
2: Yeah, the old eyes. That there was, there was. Um, they definitely came out on stalks. Uh, I remember a similar incident. I was playing a game for the Blues against the Stormers in, in Newlands, and um, I think it was Akira and Sonny Bill and Eben Elizabeth had a had an altercation that, that brought both sides all in from everywhere. And there, there was two big men um, going at it that day, and, and he was not backing down. He is a, he's a huge bloke and plays with a lot of pride and passion. But the one thing I did like after the match. Um, uh Alan and and um, even obviously having a, having a beer and um, seeing the lighter hard side of it, and, and that's one thing I love about rugby. Like, it's all well and good when you're on across the white line, but once you obviously come off it, you, you, you acknowledge and respect each other and um, have a good time. But no, um, I, I, I wouldn't be um, uh, making a mistake with his, his trim flat white um, at, at, at any stage. <laughs> he, he was, he was, he was. You, you got to be on that edge, I think. International rugby, you know, that's how much it meant. Um, you know, obviously it started... Mapimpi wanted to make a statement, um, not getting, you know, mm. knocked on or taken out, and he was quite um, elevated in his tri celebration. Uh, gets caught on betty, and that kicked it off, and then, um, you know, the big fella. You, you've always got to... I always remember Jared Hoyata said to me, he, it's his role to protect um, the smaller guys on the <laughs> team, um, and he would run from anywhere... Uh, um, to, to get involved, so I'm sure um, even it's best is no different.
0: Dave Rennie will be taking a close look at, uh, at that test in Hamilton, and um, yeah, as you say, a couple of things went against the Australians uh, at Allianz Stadium, um, and the split obviously worked against them, players, players going down, but he'll be looking at that, that test next week in Melbourne, and um, they'll have a, a game plan, the Australians. How do you think they'll attack the All Blacks?
2: I think what we've seen best is from all these teams when they've got it right, they've just focused on themselves. So I, I think you know it's not about you know overlooking that tape and you know trying to find um, reasons how or, or why they were so much better. It's really like what can we nail, what can we execute to manipulate them? Because all you can do on attack is take the best options that the defensive pitchers give you. So if you control that manipulation and you know what you're going out there to set us set about, that'll give you the ability to do that. And we've seen it time and time again with this um, Aussie attack and it's their work off the ball. Uh, their blindside wingers coming involved, being that extra man on the opposite side, um, getting their hands on the ball at first receiver, creating time and space for guys that can you know, put little kicks through or get it to that edge through quick hands. Mm-hmm. So I think they're in control of their own de- destiny on attack and they've just got to go to their strengths and, and back that.
0: Which way do you see it going? Do you think the All Blacks will kick on from Hamilton? Will it be a different approach? Obviously, expect the weather to be a lot better um, across the Tasman. Um, how do you see it unfolding?
3: Oh, I think um, with how this competition's gone, you just never know. You'd like to think now with that performance on the weekend, with how clinical and I guess how we've got the variety right in our kicking game and our attacking game, you'd like to think the All Blacks will, will move forward in, in a better direction. But... As it's shown probably this year, if you're 5% off and you don't get things right, predominantly the breakdown, and I probably see that's the area where I think the Australians need to get it right because I think when they get that right, they've got the ability of Nick White. And like Jip said, they've got the ability to be able to rove off nine. They've got the ability mm-hmm. to be able to rove off 10 and work off the ball and get that animation right through their face play shape. So and even David Rennie said after the match, you know, he thought that their cleanout was was pretty poor, their um, bad in, in anticipation and their clean were just too uh, – their ball carry was too high and they didn't get the entry right. So you probably have to think – and I think it's pretty fair. You need to get that right against the All Blacks. You've seen every time that – the All Blacks have lost this year. Um, they haven't won that breakdown battle, so you'd have to think the Australians will be pretty good around the next 10 days previewing and getting those pitches right and getting that right in the training week to be able to try and ask questions of the All Blacks because um, you'd like to think that 6-2 split, they won't have um, Jake Gordon and Nick White running it um, on the field with no, with no 10 and 12 because, look, it's so hard to win a game, um, let alone with the, with a good 10 and 12, let alone um, them not being on the field and um, having Hodge and even... You know Jake Gordon on, on the wing; it's hard to be able to win test matches. So, hopefully, that doesn't happen again. Whether they change from a five go to a five three yeah, or I keep don't that think six, they'll
2: take two. A six two against yeah. the All Blacks,
3: I don't think they will. And with Lola Lolasia with his concussion, you know, do they bring Bernard Foley in now um, through the ability of him not um, Lola Lolasia going off early? Um, those questions will be answered pretty soon. But the breakdown area is going to be massive for the Australians coming forth for the All Blacks. And even with the All Blacks as well, like we saw on the weekend, getting that right it seems like an international rugby right now. Um, is you have to get their right to be able to perform and win test matches.
0: What is it about consistency in this rugby championship, this season, Jip, that um, is perhaps a wee bit lacking? We see a performance one week, and we almost see a completely different performance the next week from these teams.
2: Yeah, I, look, I think it's just the nature of the beast. Is like once they've been dinged up, the focus and and the attention to detail, and like Brins alluded to it earlier, is um, you know the All Blacks have taken accountability that maybe they you know. Didn't quite have the edge that they would have expected after that win in Alice Park, and it's probably similar for the other sides as well. Is is that sort of thinking? It's like a golf game. The moment you think you've got it, it'll <laughs> it'll it'll teach you a lesson um, that you don't. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's international rugby at the moment. You know, you just can't have an off day. You can't miss. Um, you know, I, I don't like calling it the one is You can't miss the ninety nine percent. You know, everything that leads up to you giving the you know the hundred percent. Performance. So, um, and and as I mentioned before, I think the biggest key for sides when it is a little bit, um, you know, up and down like this is is to just focus on themselves and what you can control. Everything like you're in charge of your own destiny. If you can put the attacking game that you know works best for you, you get the balance of attack. Um, You know, if if we use the link play um, for the All Blacks, it's because they weren't having, you know, ten. Um, rucks in between the 240s because there were contestable kicks going up so the energy's conserved and then they can use that energy elsewhere and it's all those sorts of things um, that that allow you to to have the complete performance and, and they're little pieces as you go along and, and you don't necessarily understand they're happening at the time but it's all for the greater plan to come together and, and making sure that it's best for you and your team and that's that, that'll go for... Obviously, the Wallabies coming off the back of a loss, but it goes for the All Blacks and the Springboks to bring that same edge and focus um, to their game to make sure they can execute um, and, and keep their consistency going.
0: Yeah, the All Blacks at the top at the moment heading into that first Bledisloe in Melbourne, uh, the Springboks, Argentina and Buenos Aires. Let's talk a wee bit about uh, Bunnings, or You've been busy, uh, Jip, over the last few weeks calling plenty of action. Um, we'll talk firstly about the game where we're at uh, on the weekend, Harbour Counties. Um Good to see, uh, you know, a reasonable crowd. A nice day on the North Shore for Father's Day, and they scored some brilliant tries. But I think the the, um, the interesting thing is a lot of these games have been so close. Even we saw Manawa two against Tasman and Palmerston North on Friday night. I mean, they have had a, a pretty rough season, but we saw some fantastic play. They got close. Um, it's just been the nature of the comp this year.
2: Yeah, it's, I just think the talent has spread really well at the moment. You know, all 14 teams. Are a realistic chance of winning each week. Um, you know, I do feel a little bit for Southland; like they've had so many close losses and 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 yet to get a get a win. But they they are a quality outfit that you know can on their day can potentially tip up anyone in the competition. So I, I think it adds to the excitement. And and the NPC just always played in a style that is just so electric and um, sort of infectious to watch and be a part of. And and you know, you spoke about the Harbour Counties game and. Um, you know, the way that back three worked, um, you know, creating options out of nothing, you know it wasn't the most clinical day up front in terms of set piece but man, Mark and Mark uh, Talaire and Tevita Lee and I thought Cade Banks was, yeah, brilliant, uh, didn't I thought he was exceptional getting an opportunity um, with, with Sean um, pulling up with, with a little bit of a hamstring injury or something but man, when Sean came on as well uh, you can see why he's the top mm-hmm. carrier and the top offloader and the comp, he just creates opportunities for others and is such a threat.
0: Great thing about the Bunnings NPC every season, Jip, is we see the emergence of players and 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 moments you'll always remember. I mean, they might ne- not necessarily go on and play uh, Test rugby, but um, they certainly, um, you know, show the depth we have in New Zealand rugby. And let's talk about Northland. I mean, it, we were there the week beforehand mm. uh, and and saw them beat Southland, and I think there was a feeling, wasn't there, in the air that, you know, something's brewing, something big is brewing with this side, and. and so perhaps not unexpected that they created history and beat them in Whangarei for the first time. And, and talking about those players, Hedemaya Murray, I mean, just sensational. rivers rehana yeah, great, but all of those guys to a man in that 23 were exceptional.
2: Oh, they were. And they have been all year. Like They pushed Waikato really close at home. That's their only loss. Um, to beat Wellington and Wellington, you know, exceptional. Um, they, they, I think there was an air about it. Even, you know, that Southland game, they they were clinical, but... You could see their focus, you know, talking to the players afterwards, turned to Auckland so quick. They knew how much it meant to their community. 43 years, I or, or, or think, since they've won in O. So um, I, I just think you've got to look at Tom Robinson's reaction. It's a big play. They're only ahead by one. They're within kicking distance. You've got to get everything right in that moment. And, and he did. Um, and, and I think that's when you know you're in song, because you're not thinking, oh, I could give a penalty away. They're really clear in what they're trying to achieve on defence, and, and defence wins championships. It's a cliche, but it rings true for forever and a day. And that was, you know, that was ballsy defence from where they were in that position, and and you saw what it means to them. And, and it's guys like Tom, um, you know, Goodhue, Moulds, um, you know, Ranger, that have been around. They've been through the tough times. Know how much it means, and and they just. They're leading with their actions and and the rest of their group are following and and it's exciting for where they can get to. I mean, Bryn and I went on a a similar run in 2017 where we got to the semis and probably fell a little bit short and our our depth was tested in our squad and we didn't quite um, manage to get to the final and and go all the way. Um, So that'll be the key um, for for Northlanders, keeping fit and healthy bodies and keeping that competition alive so that they can go the distance because I've certainly shown they've got the ability to do so.
3: A fascinating sort of stage you, by Karen Sorry, So yeah, just to finish off on, on Northland, I think um with how they are right now, you can see there's a lot of a lot of care and confidence in their group because look, there were times in that in that game where you know you probably think just before halftime in you know, Auckland score that try, yeah. and then you think, Oh man, this might be a little bit too tough for them. But they've shown resilience and character and grit, I guess, to be able to stay in matches. And then even the you know, you talk around Murray, Ray Hanna, and I guess the experienced guys that have been there for a long time, understanding that there must be something special brewing. I don't know what it might have felt like there, Jip, um, but um, it just kind of felt like um, there's something, something brewing. And I know if they can get to a position where they have a, a home semi final, I know it's a long way to go. I'm just thinking, fast forwarding, um, it's going to be tough to win to in Northland because um, you can show that you can see the community, um, how much they get behind them. And so, um, you know, what a great result for Northland to be able to get that hoodoo over Auckland.
0: And you talk about the depth that they've got. I mean, Josh Goodhue, Coley, you know, McNamara, Sammy Nock. I mean, they've just got guys that... Have, have been there, done that, and uh, it's going to be an exciting sort of back half of the season. Let's talk about where we are in NPC though, round six coming up next week. It's kind of anyone's at the moment, isn't it, Bryn? If you, if you look at the way teams are playing and the way some teams aren't playing, I mean, Canterbury came back to mow down Hawke's Bay, that was some comeback there. I mean, they're just clinging on to the shield, aren't they? Um, counties have been playing some good rugby, Taranaki have been a wee bit off, and we look at Waikato and we you know, talk about Damien McKenzie comes back and, He's just popping them over and keeping the, the score ticking over. Um, they're going along nicely. Tasman starting to get into the groove again. It's kind of hard to pick. Otago are
3: playing good footy, so um, yeah, it's, you can throw a blanket mm. over it at the moment. Yeah, Ken, I guess that comes back to the competition and how good it is at the moment. And uh, thankfully, you know, we've got one one competition for to win it all. And so... I think it's just probably just shown even the last couple of years we probably thought um, the, the championship and the premiership there wasn't that much difference between teams um, there was always um, inter matches or cross matches and teams are beating um, teams from championship and premiership and vice versa so um, it's great for the competition at the moment I probably think Canterbury's performance Hawks Bay will probably be kicking themselves and the, with that game um, you know I thought um, that was probably a good tester for both those teams I probably think uh, with the two form teams coming to the competition even though it is tight um, but I think you know. I think even Willie Hines, um, yeah, he's I been great for good. Canterbury and been a great buy, been a great buy for for Canterbury. And I think um, his ability to be able to come off the bench with with Drummy and um, him has been great. And so, um, you know, Hawke's Bay will be kicking themselves. And I know they've got the Ranfurly Shield um, that they're always going to be tough at home. But that's probably one that got away for them. And you know, Canterbury to come back like that, I'd probably think at the moment that's probably the form team. where I think um, if the competition was to be ended right now, that's the one team that I think would probably be. Um, the one you put your money on at this
2: stage. The, they they came off a of storm week as well, so you know you can sort of forgive them for that slow start. But as we know, Canterbury and Christchurch Crusaders and Christchurch, they always come home um, with a wet sail. So, but I don't think Hawke's Bay need to worry too much um, about that because mm. they lost McCluchy, Um so they didn't. You know, they obviously had a Nutty and, and Webber, and, and you know, he is McCluchy's quite a key. He was the difference in the Shield games. Um, so him mm. being off, hopefully his calf's not too bad or, or whatever the injury was. But that, there was that element, just the way they finished that game out because at 55 minutes, 25-8, that's it, they're a good enough side to f- you know, finish yeah. that off. Um, but a couple of um, fortunate plays um, you know, got Canterbury straight back and I think it was about 67 minutes. So what, 12 minutes later it was 25-all. Um, and then you know yeah. that a Canterbury with that sort of sniff are um, normally you going to seal the deal.
0: Indeed, we'll get your top, uh, we'll get your team of the week shortly, guys. But just really quickly, top four, first fifteen. I mean, incredible. Since 1982, um, we have seen the regulars there, thereabouts. Your Kings College, um, but John McGlashan and Westlake Boys High School getting through to the top four, first fifteen. Um, Hamilton Boys, Napier Boys as well, uh, in there. Unheard of, really. John McGlashan out of Dunedin. I mean, it was wasn't that long ago that. Uh, you know, they, they're struggling to get a competitive first 15 on the park. And then Westlake Boys High School, I think going into that game against Calston, if you'd asked anybody well, no before the weekend, no one gave them a chance.
2: Probably just themselves. Um, and I don't know if Bryn, you know this, or um, Jordan Manahera's dad, Mark Manahera, uh, you know, has a bit of yep. a touch of that. Westlake first 15, so uh, I'm really excited for, for him and, and, and the group i just think you know so often when you see when the first teams play each other it's it's normally a 70 or 80 point um, difference um, but man they mm. they were impressive like I, I watched the the final against uh, manroo and um you know they they've got some real talent and, and skill in, in that team but you know you, you would have had to have expected calston um, to do a job just you know with the talent and, and level of performance they've shown throughout the season and uh, getting that result, but uh, it's 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 anyone's game in the top four. And I'll tell you what, as a as a North Shore lad, I'd be absolutely rapt to see Westlake go the distance. Is that the first
3: time? Uh, is that the first time?
2: Uh, a I think North- it. it like, I, I asked this. First time. First time. Yeah, I asked this question, and um, I asked uh, Richard Turner yesterday. I think we were talking mm. about it, and I mm. know um, oh Sunday. Sorry, and um, he said, "Yeah, it's the first time." Someone um, um, from a, a harbour team's been in the Auckland 1A final, champs.
0: John McGlashan beating 12. Nelson College. Um, again, like when you looked at that, those semi-finals on the weekend, um, I think probably people thought maybe a bridge too far for, uh, for Johnny's as well. But you get to the top four, it's anyone's game. Do we, do we give the edge, though, maybe to Hamilton Boys High School, given their, their pedigree and, and, um, and how they've performed at that end of the, of the comp?
2: you'd have to think so you know obviously they won't be overawed by the situation but rugby's a funny thing like that result for both those teams will give a real um, strong belief within their group that they can go all the way and that's really dangerous the other dangerous aspect for teams like Hamilton is there's expectation there's absolutely no expectation on those other two sides that it's almost like everyone's you know, you watch that Highlanders documentary, and, and Jamie Joseph is talking about text messages, going, "Oh, you've done so well to make the final, you know, good stuff." And you know, he really used that as a way of saying, "Hey, you know, no, everyone's just panning us on the back. No one expects us to win, not even your own family back here to win." Um, so <laughs> I, I think that is massive motivation for these two sides to.
0: Well, Jamie's son's in the Magleshan team, so yeah, too, and well, Aaron Major's boy Felix on the bench, yeah. So
2: I mean, they will they've had those experiences, so that. That weight of expectation on the other two sides versus the weight of no expectation and, and being the spoilers is quite a powerful element to, to have, and you've, you've, they've got nothing to lose. There's absolutely nothing to lose.
0: Can't wait. Right. Yeah. Uh, finally, before we go, um, Teams of the Week. Now, I know last week I think we looked at your team and there was one All Black in there. Might have been Ethan DeGroote. I, 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 I suspect there'd be a few more All Blacks in your, in your Team of the Week. Uh, this time round, Jip, who you got? And then Bryn, uh, let us know what your uh, your 15 is, mate.
2: Uh, yeah, well, obviously, uh, Ethan DeGroote's still there in number one. <laughs> uh, Sony Takiaho at, at two. Uh, I've gone Tyrell Lomax at three, but I do want to have a notable mention for Alan Alalatoa. Um 80 minutes uh, at, at international level, tight head prop. <laughs> uh, is a huge effort, and even a scuffle in between with Eben Etzabeth. So he is a notable mention, but I, I thought Lomax had a really uh, strong game in, in the way he got about his business. Um, Eben Etzebeth at four Sam Whitelock I thought he was huge as well and probably gone under the radar in terms of plaudits but some massive turnovers he's so good at getting these key strip turnovers um, in the tackle and um, he was back to his, his, his very best uh, obviously All Blacks line out operating at 100% stealing a few off Argentina it's a, he's a big part of that um, Sia Khaleesi that's the best test I've seen yeah. Sia Khaleesi play in a long time and um, and I've got Sam Kane in the open side, and I've given them both my player of the round. I just think two captains under pressure, they almost just said, I- I'm just going to give you what I need from you boys. I'm going to show you what I need and, and follow. And-, and that's exactly what their, their teams did, and-, and they just performed um, outstandingly well, both those men. Adi Savir at eight, um, Hendricks at uh, nine, Richie Moonga at ten, um, Willimsa, notable mention, you know, first time getting a crack. Um, I thought you know he had, he had a solid game and, and created opportunities that maybe we haven't seen um, the spring Rocks be able to take advantage of when they've played um, you know with Pollard. hard one at 11 I thought pimpy M- M- I really liked his attitude um, of wanting to make a statement you know and, and he he just wanted to prove a point that after the tackle the week before and I liked that edge I haven't seen that edge that aggressive edge from him before. both him and Co are normally the nice guys on the field they do. The explosive um, you know, actions and, and they are physical beasts but never look angry but both of them um, were into it on the weekend but I've gone uh, Caleb Clark at 11 uh, purely before, not because of his try but uh, uh, it's his kick chase. I just think when you bring Caleb into the game with contestable kicks off, off 10 he just grows an arm and a leg in terms of his efforts areas and then he wants to be involved in it, and his whole game flows from there and I thought he was great. Dave Havili at twelve, Rico Ioani at thirteen, Moody at fourteen, um, and Willie Larue at fifteen.
0: Very good team. Um, what about you, Bryn? Were there many differences in your selection this week?
3: Um, no, not really. Um, I had just two different. I had two different. I actually just went for Lude Yaga, who I think um, is probably the unsung hero within the lock that locking combination. I think even it's a bit. He's a you know a world class. Um, Lock, But I think Diaga, the kind of work that he does behind the scenes is really good, and even his line-out work as well. Um, he was good on the weekend, so I've gone Diaga. So, yeah, um, one to four is the same. Khaleesi and Kane have gone six and seven as well. Both captains, Captain Knox, and probably their best performances in a couple of years, and I thought, you know, the amount of turnovers were crucial that Khaleesi had in that, um, in that Australian game. We've gone severe. This was pretty good, for, I thought, for South Africa. building some real good depth. <laughs> We've obviously got Van Muelen, who's been, um, who's been always in and around um, that up environment. But look, he's been great at eight, and, and there's some depth in that position. I've got Hendricks at nine, Richie at 10 as well. But yeah, again, I think Willemsa, man, um, I know take away the goal kicking from him. I think he just brings something completely different to what Hondre Paula does, and I like give him Yanchis. His ability to be able to beat people with his footwork and how big he is and what he can do in the contact area um, – whether they're going to go to that style, um, whether they want to do that, um, we'll be we'll see in the future. But I thought Willemsa was um, was great um, with his running ability and what he can bring in the attacking element for that springbok team. I've um, gone Clark at eleven, Harvilly and Rico, and Rico was my play of the round. Um, you know, I thought Sam Kane had his best test match, but I think look, Rico again, um, is in a rich round of form when he's given opportunities. Um, he can just show that speed in his footwork and X-Factor um, is something that the All Blacks um, is a real strength that they have at the moment. Um, I've gone moody at 14, and I went for Geordie Barrett at 15. And one of the reasons why I went for him is his sacrificial lines that he ran in that test match were um, putting other players in positions to score tries. You talk about De Groot, um, his ability to be able to do that, and his line that he ran for ID Sevilla off the back of the scrum to set up his brother Bodie are um, some great lines and shows attention to detail that he's getting right with his preparation in the week. Um, is really um, paying benefits. And so I've gone Geordie Barrett at uh, 15 to finish off my form 15 for the week.
0: Very good. Two great sides. Before we go, a couple of picks. Um, Bledisloe 1, Jip. How you see that unfolding? 12 and under All Blacks, 13 over All Blacks. How are you going?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'd say the All Blacks will win um, and not expecting rain. I hope they do stick with the ability of their, their kick strategy early to open up their attack. Um, But, yeah, I think it'll be 12 12 and under.
0: And the Argentinians against the Springboks?
2: That's a tough one. Um, Argy are are definitely going to lift, but I think it might be 1-1. I'm not too sure in what order.
0: Okay. (laughs) What about you, Bryn? How do you see the the next weekend of uh,
3: rugby championship unfolding? Oh, you've got to think... <laughs> You've got to think the All Blacks have got to um, get the result against the Australians, and um, yeah, just through the performance they had on the weekend, you'd like to think that we're going to start seeing the consistency that um, the performances of how clinical and ruthless they were on the weekend. So um, I pick I pick the All Blacks one to twelve, and then where's that game being played, um, Jeff? Melbourne, Melbourne. The South Africans. And uh, South Africans. And BA. RG. I'll go Argentina. Uh, I'll go Argentina, and then I think the Springboks win the next week in South Africa. But I'll go Argentina this week. All
2: right, I'll go the opposite, <laughs> just to find a winner.
3: Hey, one thing is guaranteed, in that Argentina Springboks test is they'll
0: be catering are going to have their hands full with with beef, beef, and uh, there's going to be a lot consumed. I,
2: I, I don't know if that will be a handful. I think they're just so accustomed to producing <laughs> so much of it that they'll, they'll just get the job done with ease.
3: Indeed. Hey, um, mm, as, maybe. yeah. They might, have, they might have settled down from the weekend.
2: I don't, I'm not sure if Colsey and uh, Pablo had a beer. Like, it's a death in <laughs> Al <Al-A-L-Tow. laughs>
0: Oh, that was one of the highlights of the weekend, I think, seeing uh, seeing Dane Coles fizz up. Um, guys, as always, great to have you in for Rugby Pod, James Parsons, Brun Hall. Um, enjoy the sushi, mate. And uh, when you get a bit of, bit of time, the sake as well. No,
3: we'll definitely be staying away from
0: the sake. Jesus, <laughs> potent. Good man. It is indeed. Right, that is uh, Aotearoa rugby pod for another week. We're back next time here on Sky Sport. Till then, stay safe. Catch you next week.